Hi, and welcome to The Sustainable Century, where we explore with experts, with leaders, activists, communities of interest, mothers, fathers, and kids, how to buy, how to work, and how to invest for happier lives and a healthier planet. I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields. Today we're uh, with Joel Solomon. He is author of the fantastic book, The Clean Money Revolution. He is the chair of Renewal Funds. That's Canada's largest mission venture capital firm with about $100 million under management, and we'll talk a bit about that later. Uh, he is a social entrepreneur in so many different ways in his own right, involved in or having established many initiatives, including Tides Canada, Hollyhock, which is a retreat center in uh, off Vancouver in British Columbia and Canada, amongst many other things. So welcome, Joel. Thanks for having me, Mark. Well, it's a real pleasure. We published our books uh, almost at the same time, so I feel connected to you. Same publisher, so. Um, publisher. Yeah, fantastic to talk with you. Listen, I, um, I wanted to start by saying I, I was reading an article about you where um, it named you the eminence grease of the Vancouver lefty establishment, which I don't know if that's true at all, but I also read in that very same article that the former Prime Minister, Stephen Harper, said that you were amongst the leaders of a suspicious nexus uh, that is uh, at the intersection of politics and sustainable capitalism. So Scary, very scary. <laughs> he was never my favorite Prime Minister. Um, I just wanted you to explain what is that, the intersection of progressive uh, politics and capitalism, because I noticed in, in your website you said politics, use it or lose it. Yeah, well, I think we make a mistake to overly segment our lives and our, our view of how the world works. And particularly if you're working with money, you have money or you care about uh, big issues. Um, the point is... Politics actually does decide a lot of things about society, and therefore it means it's the operating environment, operating system in which you do business, you do charity, you do you do everything. So uh, there's nothing new about that. Uh, corporations and uh, special interests of all kinds for forever have attempted to influence the political sector, and the challenge that I'm attempting to uh, you know. To raise questions about is is progressives and social change kinds of people, uh, social social finance kinds of people, tend to think that's an arena that they should stay out of, that it's not uh, it's too dirty for them or it's too whatever, and that's a mistake because that's who sets a lot of the rules. So the fact that I am a social entrepreneur, meaning I think that term in Canada from when you and I uh, knew each other early on, it was basically a way to talk about people who thought business could be a force for good and that you could choose your products, your services, how you do business to have an impact far beyond just how do you extract uh, profit from it. And so I've always felt that uh, you want that business is, is simply a, a mechanism and uh, not-for-profit is another mechanism. They've got... Uh, design rules around them, but and they allow different kinds of activities. But if you care about your city, your country, the world, an issue, uh, both of those are very important. 
and sure. all the tools that have to do with money are very important. And so that's the nexus of, of business and politics. Well, in, in your book, I mean, you talk a lot about um, you know, are, are trying to make this argument that you know, people ought to care and they ought to care with their money. How do we persuade the people, uh, and apparently, especially in the United States, there's a lot more people that don't care or seem not to care about, what do we call them, all things sustainable. Uh, how do right. we get them on board, particularly, I think, the people who have the leverage uh, of capital behind them? Well, I would start with the global world religions, which are supposed to help us figure out the meaning of life, <laughs> our moral and ethical fiber, and uh, what we're supposed to do as uh, citizens uh, going out in the world. And then the education system is also... Uh, trusted to help us do that, to figure out what does it mean to be a citizen, how do we be contributory, and how do we look out for the whole along with looking out for ourselves. There are many other forces that give us uh, insights to that if we choose to get them, but, but those are two to begin with that I believe are letting us down to allow us to separate out making money from the rest of who we are as a moral person, as a uh, as a citizen, and as a, as a parent, uh, we I have an obligation to help there be a better world for future generations, just in inherently by being a human alive on the planet. And I feel that we've lost a lot of where does the training and the insight and the guidance or the uh, learning about that come from. Therefore. Uh, what do we do, what do you and me do, and maybe listeners today, with our careers to help reintegrate those topics? One of the things I was really looking forward to speaking with you about, because um, a lot of uh, social entrepreneurs and, and, and you know, folks who are involved in sustainable and responsible investment don't talk a lot about politics. Um, and one of the things that I'm finding interesting these days is the forces of populism, which tend to be fairly conservative, uh, as you know, in the UK and, and, and in the United States and lesser, uh, less so in Canada, I suspect, uh, are pulling us inward, while business seems to be pulling us globally, outwards. Uh, do you feel like this is an opportunity for a business to really step up and say, hey, look, we're an interconnected world now, and our, our citizenship doesn't just belong in the communities that we live in. Well, absolutely. But let me point out that there's a lot of business that's been very serious about politics for a long time. We go back to the Lewis Powell memo in, in the U.S. and the back in the 60s after uh, the election of, of uh, Lyndon Johnson beating Barry Goldwater and the concern that the corporate sector was having about loss of control of society when we were giving uh, more rights to uh, uh, African Americans and, uh, and and there was a, a, a rise of, of women getting uh, more voice in society and then we know about the Koch brothers and their influence and there have been some very very powerful business interests that have helped steer the country in a very US country and and it's influenced the world in a very conservative way uh, which I consider a more older school we the strong should have we should be in charge and we should have all the all the goodies and everybody else basically works for us. So it's the do-gooders who've had trouble, more trouble with the issue, uh, maybe because it's hard enough just to figure out how to make money align with your values uh, and, and actually care about the world and care about whether there's a world for future generations. 
that's the thing I, that that I that you, you know, you've raised in an interview a couple times that I'm saying, like, wake up, folks. Uh, yeah, it's nice to go out and and get our investments in things that are less damaging, but uh, Donald Trump yesterday just said he's going to end. Uh, he's going to put big tariffs on uh, cheap solar imports. Okay, well, that, that's a complicated issue. I can't claim I understand all the good and bad of that. But polit- politicians actually write the rules for a lot of things. And so if you want to have electric cars and you want, you want, to, have, you want to burn less fossil fuels and have fossil fuels be saved for a 1,000 years so they can do things like make heart valves or, or cell phones or sure. whatever it is, they've got very valuable uses – but you've got some other forces that are very systematically controlling the ground rules of how society works in order to further their financial interests. Don't be a dummy. Like, uh, don't don't just sit back and be too good for it all, because uh, otherwise the rules are going to change around you and you have no influence on it. Uh, absolutely. I guess so. The message there is, um, you know, you, you, you use your money and apply your values as best you can. But. Uh, don't be politically agnostic. Get out there and and do your bet from that perspective as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, the one other thing that I want to—it sort of segues fairly nicely into you know the question I think everybody would be wanting you to answer is you know where do you see what is called sustainable and responsible investment? Where do you see it going or impact investment, if that's what you want to call it? Uh, where where do you see it going over the course of the next say ten or fifteen years, and and is there is there hope for this being a major lever? And I want to I want to premise that by saying, look, there's about six trillion dollars with some form of uh, sustainability screen on it, but it doesn't seem to be making a hell of a big difference at this point. We've seen lots of local issues really being resolved, a lot of great success stories there. But in the bigger picture, where where do you see us going, and and where are the successes going to be? Well, I maintain something that once you hear it, I think won't be. It's not you know, there's not that much to argue about, which is rebuilding the entire economy for cleaner, greener, safer, and more fair is probably the biggest money making opportunity in the history <laughs> of of people. So if if we know that the built environment wastes an enormous amount of energy and is therefore driving a climate change in a big way, we could go through transportation and all kinds of other sectors about this, and we know that in order to have there be a world that's survivable and thriving in the future for future generations, we've got to transition. Well, that costs a lot of money. It creates a lot of jobs. You could read Jeremy Rifkin's work about the Fifth Industrial Revolution and that fifth industrial revolution is is effectively aligning with with what I'm saying. Uh, we did everything with with a lot of ingenuity and good intentions and with what we knew at the time. Now we know more, and we know that a lot of the ways we've been doing things with the economy and and how the world works are actually having uh, ex- externalities and side effects that are coming back to haunt me and and my children and everybody around. It no longer just get shipped off somewhere that I don't have to see. We're, we're more and more interconnected. So therefore, there's a lot of money to be made in name your industry that as you clean it up and make it less toxic, it should not be legal to poison everybody else and, and, and be able to make money on that. Um, and someday we either win that argument and I think the more that we, the social, uh, I forgot the term used, but the social finance industry or the impact investing and all that stuff, the more that it gets proven, uh, you know, we manage an investment fund that we think is 
very competitive in return rate, and we're focused on organics, uh, food, skin care, environmental technologies that help clean things up. Uh, we're, I think that, that where this field is going is it's going to prove more and more that it can make a lot of money, and soon, soon, gradually over time, people will understand that doing things in an antiquated, uh, less intelligent way that doesn't think long term is going to start being a bomb. And doing things that consider the long term and and help us all be here is going to be successful, and the field's going to grow a lot. Yeah, well, I think you know, sort of as a as a parting comment, and I have one small question left, but. Um, as a parting comment to that, I, I couldn't agree more that the opportunities are enormous. But, you know, the conservative forces, and I, I use small c, I don't use large c, yeah. conservative forces uh, have a good position on this that beats us on the on the radical left, if you want to call it that, or the, <laughs> that it is they position it as a cost to the economy. They're wrong. But how do we <laughs> convince? How do we convince them? It's, well, when... When change happens, when, when uh, humans had to decide whether the world was really flat or not, when uh, we had learned about the solar system, when we learn about how the body works, when we, you, you go through all kinds of things that have happened through history, and there are conservative, small-c conservative views of how the world works, and uh, we find out, I mean, you know, I don't know if you believe in evolution versus uh, God created everything in a week, but uh, I, I do, <laughs> and and as you as you come as science and increased uh, observation skills and information happen, we know a lot more. And so once you know, uh, so the forces that are the incumbents that control everything don't like change unless they can get ahead and buy the change, and then they become the change. So. That's what's going to happen. Energy companies, I mean, uh, oil companies will become energy companies and, you know, go right through every sector like that. And you're seeing it across the landscape, even if it's being denied. You're seeing it across the landscape. You can't hold your employees. Your customers are getting pissed off and they don't trust you anymore. You've got to clean up in the information era that where we know there's problems and we find out we're creating them. Or you're doomed. Yeah. And industries come and go as yeah. we huge companies come and go. Yeah, so certainly do. Uh, it's hard when you're in the early stage and everybody wants to be a skeptic and poop pat you on the head. Yeah. But you know, I've lived long enough. I'm an old old man now. And I've lived <laughs> long enough to see you know, organic food was considered a laughing stock. Yes, it was. And now people are making fortunes, and the same with renewable energy and on yeah. and on. And so we're but, in the early stages yeah. and the reforms. But the, the only question is, and you know what's coming, I'm pretty sure, is that while, you know, it, it was okay for us to believe that we went, that the sun went around us for the longest time because the sun kept going no matter what we said, or yeah. sort of we went around it no matter what we said, but we don't have a ton of time. But um, let me ask you one last question. Of all the things you've done, and, and I have my bets on one of them, of all the things that you've done uh, in your uh, amazing career, and I really, I really urge listeners to uh, check out joelsolomon.org uh, to see what you've done. What has been the most uh, influential and, 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 and deepening in your life? Oh, for, of me. Yes. What, how did I get input? Yeah. Uh, I think um, that the key, the key was being get, given the death diagnosis at an early age. 
And so I inherited a family genetic kidney disease, and I was told there was nothing I could do about it, and that pissed me off. And I said, well, at least what I can do about it is do better while I'm alive, and maybe if I'm happier and I'm eating better and I'm taking better care of my body, maybe that will extend my life. And then the final part, which gets a little into the mystical, is maybe if I do good deeds and I be a good person, the higher forces will keep me around a little longer. <laughs> They'll and, see some uh, social value in you. And my friend gave me her kidney 10 years ago. Now, did that happen because I, you know, how much of an, how, do assholes or nice guys do better on kidney? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, I thought that might be one of your choices, but I was, I was hoping for the garden volunteer at Hollyhock. But anyways. Well, that's. That's how I found. That's how I met uh, my kidney donor. <laughs> there you go. Well, there, it's all it's all interconnected. And maybe sometime yeah. in the coming years we can talk about that because I'd love to get your views on collaborative economy, on uh, on other issues related to energy and uh, organics. But for now, I think we'll call that a wrap. It's been really great talking with you, Joel. And uh, I wish you and all your endeavors the very best of luck. Thank you so much. I'm Mark D'Souza Shields, host of The Sustainable Century. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked it. If you did, I encourage you to check out The Sustainable Century blog at thesustainablecentury.net. Remember to click like in all the right places. Better yet, pass the blog or pass the pod along. And remember, it's up to you. It's up to us to make this a happier and healthier world.